Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. We are, uh, we've been in a series we started last week called Eastertide, and we didn't create that name. It's been in existence for years and decades, and in fact, centuries. It's, it's part of how the church uh, discerned how to grow in, in their discipleship to understand all of God's story throughout the church year. And Eastertide, as we described last week, is 50 days after the resurrection. And why we want to move into this season with intentionality this year is because we, like Christina said at the beginning, we want Easter. Easter to be more than just a date. It's way bigger than a date on the calendar. Uh, the, the resurrection is, was the burden of the apostolic message in the early church, and it's the heart of Christian faith, Christian life, and the Christian message. And last week we discovered through one story in the book of Acts how the community called the church emerged out of the resurrection, uh, just to see God, see people who, who uh, grew in fellowship with God and then fellowship with each other uh, into this community that came out of the resurrection. And today, what we want to lean into is a different theme, and it's the theme of restoration and how the resurrection leans into or leads into what we call restoration. Some of us call it transformation, healing, wholeness. And uh, if you got your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Acts chapter 3. And uh, in this series, we're going to be particularly looking at some pockets in the book of Acts and uh, pulling from other scriptures as well. And also, just let me remind you, on our website, uh, you can go through all the, all the scriptures during Eastertide. We have them posted, and we give you four a week to just be reflecting on. So we're starting off a new set of four today, which you can use in the week on your own to be reflecting on. And we'll use them in morning prayer on Facebook Live as well. Uh, but let, let's jump in. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. And just before I read, just, just so we understand what's happening here, there is someone who just got healed a person who couldn't walk, and the disciples pray for this person and command this person to walk in Christ's name. And now we're in the aftermath of this moment. So listen in. While he, this person who was healed, clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him his perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. And in this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is, Jesus 
who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. Let's just pray for a second. God, we pause because we long to enter into the wonder of the resurrection and the wake of the resurrection. And so would you just um, bring us to a focus, God, in this beautiful story that emerged out of the resurrection of Jesus, your son. Amen. Amen. Um, and when we read what happened here, it's kind of a background of kind of people really asking, like, how did this happen? How did this person get healed? What happened here? When I was uh, growing up and learning music, I remember being in, a, in a, a music lesson when I was learning how to play saxophone, and my teacher taught me a brand new scale. It was called the blues scale. And he said, I'm going to teach you this scale because I want you to understand what jazz musicians often lean into and use when they improvise. I loved jazz. I loved learning jazz. And I loved hearing people improvise. And all of a sudden, that, that, that one week, he teaches me this scale. And it's like it opened up my mind to like what was going on in the jazz world, how they were improvising, what notes they used, what lines they put together, what little steps they took in their notes. And all of a sudden I realized like, oh, this is how they do that. This is how these jazz musicians improvise in between. And I never learned that. Like growing up, I learned the you know, major scale and the minor scale. And in concert band or high school or classical music, I learned these certain scales. But then... I just realized, oh, this is how jazz musicians get this. And of course, there's a bunch of other scales beyond the blues scale, but that opened it up for me. And, and I thought of that story when I consider what's happening now in the book of Acts in chapter 3. It's not about music, obviously, but Peter and John just healed somebody. Well, they didn't do it. Some, God did it. But they commanded this person who was crippled to walk. And this person walks in the name of Jesus and everyone is astonished. And they're basically asking, how did you do that? How does that work? How is it possible that you just saw this person healed? And the crowds are forming and they're clinging to Peter and John. And they're almost like famous in this moment. And what happens is this miracle provokes a message. This miracle that takes place provokes an opportunity for Peter to speak and share. And this miracle begins to reveal who did this, who made this happen, who's behind all of this. And Peter takes that opportunity and starts to share with them about Jesus. He says, we didn't do this. It's not our power. It's not our piety. It's not because we're good or not that this happened. Something else is at work here. Now, he's in the Jewish temple. It's a very Jewish crowd. We know this because they're in Solomon's portico, which is part of the temple. And this is post-resurrection, and he's speaking to a Jewish crowd. And Peter connects uh, what just happened with Jewish history about God, the God that they believed in. And so he moves into that in one of these verses we read where he, he responds. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus. Peter connects what happens to the God that they apparently already would have known. And he helps them understand this. So before we get to understanding restoration that happens in the resurrection, Peter leads them to understand the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus? And then he moves in as he brings some critique to them, but he also shares with them who Jesus is. And there's a few titles here that are really important for us. So first he calls Jesus the Holy and Righteous One. That's a title for their Messiah. 
This is, means that God set this Jesus Christ, the Christ, apart, that, that this, this Christ honors God, that this Christ is just and righteous and holy. And it's this pointing back to Isaiah chapter 53, one of their own prophets who said that a servant would come, a servant of God who would suffer but who was innocent would come. And Peter reminds them that just before Jesus died, that they had a choice with Pilate. Pilate said, hey, who do you want to be released here? We got Barabbas, who's a murderer. He's convicted. Or we got this Jesus that you guys are accusing. Who do you want out? And the crowd screams for Barabbas, the convicted murderer. But Jesus, the innocent servant, goes to the cross. And he's the holy and righteous one. And it's fulfilling what the prophets predicted about the Messiah. And then Peter says that God, their God, raised his servant Jesus, glorified his servant Jesus, which means he raised him from the dead. He elevated Jesus to this position of conqueror over death. And then even in this remark against them, you killed the author of life, he gives another title of Jesus, the author of life, the one who initiates all things, the one who's been preexistent. And if you're familiar with uh, the Gospels at all, John's Gospel starts with this very idea that in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And through the Word, everything was created, the author of life, Jesus. And then he gives us this clue on why they commanded this person who couldn't walk to walk in the name of Jesus. Verse 16 is one of the best verses in this passage. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and you know. And the faith that is through Jesus was given him, has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Jesus' name is so powerful. And it's through faith in Christ and through the faith of Christ, the faithfulness of Christ to go to the cross and resurrect from the dead, that this person was made whole. And then this same Jesus is one who will bring, later he says, universal restoration. We get this amazing picture of Jesus, who he is and who really was behind the healing of this man, who really was behind this miracle that takes place. And as Peter gives them this revelation of Jesus, it exposes their hearts. It exposes the crowd for who they are because in verse 14 and 15, Peter says, hey, he says, you handed, uh, you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you and you killed the author of life. You handed him over. You did this. And he points to humanities, particularly them at the time, but all of us, our participation in rejecting Christ in rejecting God's son. And he, he, he exposes their hearts. And he brings judgment to them. But what's so incredible here in this moment where he brings this clear judgment, I mean, look at the words. You know, you did this and you did that and, and you missed this and you were blind to this. But I want you to notice the mercy that takes place even as Peter exposes their own hearts. Verse 17 says, And now, friends... He calls them friends. Some version says fellow Israelites. In other words, like, hey, we're part of the same community here. He says, and now friends, I know that you acted in, and look at the word, in ignorance, as did also your rulers. 
He uses the word ignorance. It's almost like they did this. They participated in this. It was their action. It was their responsibility. He's letting them know. But he says, I know that part of what you did here, you acted in ignorance. You didn't realize who Jesus was. You didn't realize who you were sending to the cross. You didn't realize who you were, you know, asking Pilate to keep and asking Pilate to take. You didn't realize what you were doing and who you were accusing and who you were dealing with. He was and is the Messiah, the Christ. And in that moment, Peter gives them this gospel word, this invitation of grace and mercy. And it echoes Jesus' words from the cross. Jesus is on the cross literally dying. And if you remember the words of Christ where Jesus says, turns to his father and says, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And here's Peter telling them these same things. I know, friends, you acted in ignorance. You acted in ignorance. This powerful word of grace to those who rejected Christ, those who were blind to who he was. And he, and he invites them in. He says, even though you did this, here's this beautiful opportunity for you to come and now participate in what God is really up to in Jesus. And it leads them to this call that's a call to repentance. And repentance might sound like still a judgmental word, but it's really not. It's an invitation to turn around. It's saying, even though you did this, even though you acted in this way, here's what you can do. You can repent. You can turn around. You can make a U-turn and participate in what God is doing. And here's this message from Peter of repentance. And it echoes Jesus' words to them after the resurrection in, John, in Luke uh, 24. Where Luke, where John, uh, sorry, Luke, John, all these gospel writers. Where Jesus is recorded saying to his disciples, repentance and forgiveness will be proclaimed to all the nations. Now, some of us misinterpret that the message of the gospel is repentance. Or the message of the gospel is forgiveness. And I think sometimes we miss that the message of the gospel is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the resurrected one. But part of that message is when you understand who he is, well, what do you do? You repent, you turn around, you follow. And when you do that, what happens? You find forgiveness. And so sometimes we preach the gospel is repent and you'll be forgiven, where the gospel is Jesus is Lord. And now if you've discovered that, what are you going to do about it? And so part of the gospel message or the overflow is that. His lordship shows us where our life is out of sorts. His lordship shows us where our world is so far from God's justice. His lordship shows us where the way we think we love people is not the way God wants us to love people. His lordship shows us where sin has bent us out of shape. And when we discover who he is, we then move towards him and we repent. And I want you to just distinguish the message that Jesus is Lord. Like Jesus announced the gospel when he said, the kingdom of God has come near. And then he says, repent and believe. It's kind of like if we're all in a park and we're, we'd love like some refreshment. And so someone comes around with a bell and says, hey, come and get some refreshment. Come and get some ice cream on the other side of the park. Is the message come and get ice cream or is the message, hey guys, ice cream truck is here. The ice cream is on site. It's on the premises. That's the message. The follow-up message is, are you going to come get the ice cream? 
Are you going to stop what you're doing and, like, if you're really dying for refreshment, come over here. Here's where the ice cream is. This is kind of how the gospel's laid out. This is Jesus. This is God's son. He is Lord over all things. What are you going to do about that? And even to these people who participated in Jesus' steps towards crucifixion, Peter's even saying, I know you did this in ignorance, but you can repent and turn around and find restoration as you put your faith in Christ and find fellowship with him. And this is how he describes restoration. And here's this next move in this text. And it's restoration both now and in the future. Now and in the future, because he invites them to something that begins to change their hearts. That's what forgiveness does. And so we see the now part of that restoration in two ways. We see it in the physical, because someone was just healed. This person who couldn't walk, Peter and John say, hey, get up in the name of Jesus. This person gets up and walks. That is a now moment of the restoration that comes out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then there's another kind of restoration that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is there. Now, the first one is this wholeness. And I want you to just stop for a second and think about the wholeness of the physicality of this, this person who couldn't walk because it reflected the, the resurrection in physicality. And what does Peter say? He says to these people who are listening, he says, it was through our faith in Christ that this person was brought to perfect health. The word there is complete wholeness. In other words, something that was broken was restored. That's what happened to this person who couldn't walk. Now, when we read the scriptures and when we experience it in our own life before new creation ever happens, we know that not everybody is healed. We know that healing and wholeness is not always the same thing. We know that on this, in this life, before we enter into new creation, we will still at times struggle with the brokenness of the physical world. But yet in this moment here in Acts 3, we see a glimpse of the resurrection in physicality. And we do sometimes see it in pockets in our own life, in our own world, where God like intersects our humanity and does something so supernatural. And that reflects the resurrection, reflects the resurrection of Jesus, the wholeness that comes but the second kind of wholeness is forgiveness. It's internal. It's relational. It's emotional. And even though we can experience a roller coaster in our life where we're like, I don't feel God today. I do feel God, God today. Or, man, the world is just getting me down. I, don't, I know that I, I experience Christ on a daily basis, but today I just don't experience him like I always experience him. Here's the reality of the resurrection is that we are still forgiven when we come to him. And Peter says, repent, believe, follow, and your sins will be wiped out. Your sins will be wiped out. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love that phrase, times of refreshing. So sin that's often found in our rejection, our rebellion, our resistance, sin that's often results in brokenness and shame and hurt, in pain, in injustice, in corruption, in bondage. The call, once we discover Jesus is Lord, is repent, turn around. And when you turn around and follow Christ and put your faith in him, you embrace or receive the forgiveness, the wholeness that comes where our sins are wiped out. Where the root of that brokenness is dealt with. 
where wholeness can start growing inside of our hearts and our lives. N.T. Wright says it this way, that in the name of Jesus, Jesus makes people grow up and become whole people, rinsed out and renewed. That's what times of refreshing means, that we're made whole. And let me tell you something, especially when we, when we struggle with the tension of the fullness of that now and the future of it, which I'm going to get to in a second, I want us to realize that, that being healed and being whole is not always the same thing. Some people are healed physically in this lifetime. But even people who live in Christ with a physicality that's broken can discover wholeness in Christ from the inside out. That's the fullness of part of that in our lifetime. And it's possible today. But here, here this is so exciting. This, I love this. Because Peter doesn't tell them uh, when he tells them, repent and you'll find times of refreshing. He doesn't say, hey guys, all your sickness is going to be gone. Uh, you know, anytime you get sick in this world, you'll be healed. He doesn't say that. But he does say, he does say you'll find forgiveness. And then he does point to the future restoration of all things where he says Jesus must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration. In a couple of weeks, we'll get to the ascension and what that means. But ultimately, Jesus, after he rises from the dead and spends time with his disciples, he ascends into God's space, into heaven. And he remains in heaven. He remains in God's space until one day when the full reign of Christ will come in the new creation. And Peter calls it the universal restoration that God announced long ago through the prophets. Not now, but later. And that's what we look towards. And when Jesus invites us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of that is today, but part of that is the hope that we know that one day the fullness of God's will, the fullness of God's kingdom will be here as promised. We believe that glimpses of heaven, of God's will, does happen, but that the fullness of it, like Revelation 20 and 21 tell us, will happen one day. And until then, we live in the now with glimpses of what resurrection looks like. One day, it'll be the fullness of what resurrection looks like. Here, here's how N.T. Wright describes it. He says, heaven is a place where God's purposes for the future are stored up like pieces of a stage waiting in the wings until they are needed for the final act of the great play when Jesus finally appears. Heaven and earth will come together as one. The great renewal of all things. I wish I would have wrote that line. It's so beautiful. See, we read it earlier as we started our gathering, right? John tells his, the, these early followers of Christ, he says, when Jesus appears, you will be like him. In other words, hey, the resurrection happened in Christ. He showed us what resurrection looks like. One day when Christ appears again, you will be like him. You will also experience resurrection. You will also experience restoration. And this is why... And we come to, the, to wrap this up here. This is why the resurrection is so core to our belief and our understanding and what it means to follow Christ and what it means to have hope into the future. Because what Jesus did in the resurrection points to God's promises for all of creation one day. And what Jesus, what happened in Christ in the resurrection from death to life is what is promised to for every single person who puts their faith in Christ. Because one day, those who are in Christ, when Christ appears, they will be like him. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he says, hey, here's a picture 
what's going to happen one day in the future. And that resurrection foreshadows what's promised for you and what's promised for me. Now, some people want to tell you that you're going to experience the fullness of it right now. And then you're like, I didn't, that wasn't today. <laughs> that didn't happen today. No, because we live in between the times. We're, we have glimpses of it now, and we know he's changing us, but we look towards the future for the fullness of it. And when I think about that, I think about kind of like, you know when you see a kid walk for the first time? You see a kid walk for the first time, and you can see in that moment of those first steps, you're like, this kid's going to run down the street one day. <laughs> this kid's going to swim one day. When you see a kid on a tricycle just learning, or then they get like training wheels, you're like, you envision like, Oh, they're going to be speeding down the street one day. They're going, to, they're, going to like, they're going to cycle the island of Montreal one day. When you see a kid discover math, you're like, mm, one of those kids are going to create a formula that's going to get us to space. That already happened, but maybe something else, right? When you see a kid who, who plays a melody on the piano for the first time, you, you can, if you can just pause for a second, that kid might be the same person who will write a symphony one day. We see glimpses of what will happen. And the resurrection shows us glimpses of God's future. And that lame person, the person who couldn't walk, and Peter and John walk up to them and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. That was a piece of the resurrection that broke into their world in that moment, and that person was made whole. It was a piece of the resurrection. And when Peter turns to, those, to the crowd, even in their brokenness, even in their sin, even in their rebellion, and says, I know you were ignorant when you did this, but if you repent, repent now, and times of refreshing forgiveness will come into your life. That's pieces of the resurrection breaking into life to make us whole. And that can happen now, and it points to the future of what's waiting for us. And here's my invitation to us today as we live in the wake of Easter, in the wake of the resurrection. Don't just look back to the resurrection as something that happened, but welcome God's life and God's healing and God's wholeness and God's resurrection power in your life. You and I can be restored today. We can be restored today in pockets, in parts of what one day will be God's fullness for us. But it can start today. And it follows the same process for those of us who maybe have already entered this process and for some that are just starting to figure this out. It's the same process. When Jesus is revealed to us who he is, we have to stop and say, what am I going to do about that? And Peter's word for that is repent, turn, follow, trust and in that something miraculous happens we discover fellowship with jesus he gives us access to his father and restoration starts happening in us and we can lean into that and grow into that and i want to invite all of us here to lean into that for our own lives as for following christ because sometimes we can get clouded we could miss it we could forget it other things can get in the way we can lean into that fully because of our faith and trust and walk in allegiance to jesus but for some who are just wanting to know, how does this happen? Just follows Peter, Peter's words. Repent. Believe. Turn. Trust. And watch as he says, times of refreshing will come because God enters your life and fills you and leads you and guides you. Let's pray.
our Heavenly Father, God, even what happened in Acts chapter 3 was not the beginning of the story. We're so grateful that the whole story of Scripture is a story of redemption and restoration. That you who are at work in creation, you who are at work in in starting this, this people Israel to be a light to the nations and even in their brokenness as you worked with them and used them and walked with them and yet even in their failure, God, you promised to send Jesus an Israelite that was fully faithful to you, faithful to the cross and you glorified your servant Jesus and raised him from the dead. Oh God, he... We are so grateful to participate in this story. The invitation to repent and receive forgiveness. We're part of all the nations that this is for. You long for restoration of all people. And God, we thank you. We thank you how the resurrection shows us that restoration is possible both now and promised fully in the future. And we lean in. We lean in to this response of repentance and the embrace of forgiveness as we discover union with your son Jesus, as we put our trust in him and follow him as Lord. And God, for some today that are just discerning this for the first time, just making a step, oh God, would you reveal yourself to them in all of your goodness and grace and fullness? And even in the fullness of the parts that expose their sin and their brokenness and their rebellion and their rejection, because that's part of the process of understanding that we need you. And while we can be judged, you extend mercy. You give us a way. You give us an offer. You give us an opportunity. So we want to step into the Lordship of Christ that way. And God, we pray that in our world, in our, in our everyday lives, God, may we believe for and, and pray for and participate in these pockets of resurrection just like the disciples did with this lame person, just like the disciples did with those who were far from you. May we be participants in proclaiming the resurrected Jesus and inviting people in to experience him as Lord and the restoration that comes from that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.